You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Oh, come on, let's give Jesus some praise for what he's doing in Salt Lake City and in your life. You know, I want to open up with prayer with the city. So you guys are just going to hang with me for a bit. You know, I want to tell you something. I got in that car after we landed yesterday. Beautiful Tony picked us up. And almost immediately I felt I, I was overwhelmed wanting to cry. There was such a weight of the burden of the need of this city that fell on me right when I, when I hit the ground. And, uh, and for a moment I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed by the need of, in this city for true relationship, for people to meet Jesus. Um, you know, and, but I didn't let that, that feeling of over, overwhelmingness like set on me. And then it filled, I got filled with hope because I was, you know what? That's why we're here. That's why C3 Salt Lake City is here. We're going to win this city. So I don't know if you guys normally pray out loud or what you do, but I, I need you guys to agree with me. I want to pray for your city right now. And you know, you, you, you may not even know the style of prayer. I'm, I'm going to warfare right now, and I don't want to warfare by myself. So I want you guys to lift your voices in prayer with me and press in for this city, for the sons and daughters, mothers and fathers that don't yet know Jesus. So let's just take some time to pray really quickly. God, I thank you for this beautiful city. God, I thank you that this city will be known as a city of salvation through Jesus Christ. I thank you right now. I declare every stronghold, every religious spirit. God, we understand we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And right now I declare my authority over every principality and every power that reigns in this city. And we bind it right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We bind every stronghold. We bind every religious spirit. We declare right now that eyes are being opened, hearts are being softened, scales are being being removed. God, they would see the salvation of the Lord. God, I thank you for this city. I declare and I impart a boldness and a faith on the people in this building, Father God. They're going to go out and be a part of the greatest move of God, the greatest move of God that this city has ever seen. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Let's give God one more shout. I just squirt water all over. Sorry. Even the straw doesn't work for me. Um, and I see my, I'm not sure if my time's right down there. I want to stay on track. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Are we okay? Okay, I can't hear myself, so I'm just going to trust that you can hear me. If you couldn't hear me, that'd be a tragedy because I have so many things to say. So many things. Thank you so much, you guys. You're incredible this morning. You can take a break. Take a break. I'm so happy to finally be here. I don't know why they were holding out on me and allowing me to come. I've been waiting to be with you. Um, I actually realized I forgot, but then when I hit the ground here in Salt Lake City, I was like, oh, I went on a missions trip to Salt Lake City like 22 years ago. I was in college and I was interning for our high school ministry and we came and we actually went door to door in Salt Lake City. Can you believe that? That was so bold. We didn't know what we were doing and boy, did we get smashed. Uh, wow, wow. It, I, I was happy to be a part of it, but it wasn't very fruitful, if I'm being honest. Because you know what I realized? Like, you're not going to win this city by head knowledge. Because what I really realized when I was talking with people here in, in Salt Lake, they actually knew more about my Bible than I knew about my Bible. Yep. Yep. 
And it wa- I wasn't going to win them to Jesus through a conversation or an argument or a debate. Well, how we were going to win this city is through relationships, throwing them a genuine love for people. And that's how we're going to save this city. So I preach with lots of stories. So I hope you're ready for stories. I, I, I do believe I'm a good storyteller. Um, so we're going to have some fun today. And I'm going to start with a story. So we're in religion rehab, okay? So that, that's the new series. It's going to be really amazing. You have some incredible ministers coming in to preach for you this month. Um, you know, pre- replacing religion with relationship. And uh, I'm going to start with a story about myself. Um, I'm going to kind of tell you everything what not to do in this story, okay? So, um, you know, way back in the day, I didn't necessarily, I, I knew Jesus, but for me, it was a more of a religious thing. A, I was just, I was a Christian. It really didn't, um, I really hadn't developed a, a personal relationship with Jesus, so I didn't understand my responsibility um, in carrying the weight of ministering the gospel out in my community and to my neighbors. And so, so before I share the story, I do want to remind you of a scripture in Matthew 7, 1, where it says, do not judge, okay? Or you too will be judged. So let's just start with that. So don't be judging me. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Like, I'm a very nice person. I'm a very kind person, but you actually don't know me. This is the first, it's like our first date, okay? So, so you're just going to have to trust me when I say I am a nice person. So just kind of give, extend grace to me and don't judge me as I share this first story. But, um, you know, so my husband and I have been married 15 years, almost 16, and, um, you know, we, at the, we, right after we got married, we bought a house in San Diego, and the market's very heightened in San Diego, and uh, we bought it the height of the market. My husband was in real estate. I was a probation officer before we were in ministry, and so my husband was making lots of money, and so we, uh, we bought this amazing house in an amazing neighborhood, height of the market, spent way too much money for this house. But um, lo and behold, from day one, we realized that we moved into this house, and our neighbors were crazy absolutely crazy like not just a little bit like they were like super crazy there was like 15 people in this house coming in and out. I actually didn't know who actually lived there there was people always coming and going and and very quickly we realized they uh most of them did drugs and and when I say crazy like I'm not exaggerating one of their adult children uh it was them us and a neighbor they skipped our house thankfully but they robbed and then set fire to this neighbor's house yeah and then they would they would we'd always find their cars like rammed into the fences in our neighborhood because they were drinking and driving and they would run into the fences and they would run because they didn't want to get in trouble but like dude you left your car there like we know who you are like they were just it was just like a wow you know and so uh and and we're talking about houses that, like I could high five them like if they stuck their their hand out the window like we could high five each other there was no land there's none of that you know in San Diego and so, um, and it was really unfortunate for us because their weekends were Monday, Tuesday. And so every Monday, Tuesday, they would party like it was 1999. Like it was absurd. And they'd be in their backyard going, like when we would leave for work the next day, they'd still be going in their backyard. Like people would be stumbling out of the, out of the backyard through the fence. And, and so, um, and when they partied, like they really, they really knew what they were doing, you know, when it came to partying. And so um, they would be in their backyard and they, they had strobe lights, you guys, like actual strobe lights and techno music would be pumping and people would be yelling and it was unfortunate even more so because their backyard was attached to our backyard and then there was our master bedroom window so these lights would start going and it would be like flashing through our blinds and we'd just be hearing the techno and it's just like right about when you're about to fall asleep then this chaos would start so I um 
I didn't necessarily choose it. I'm happy for it now. But I had two babies in 12 months. So when my firstborn was three months old, I found out I was a month pregnant. And so two, and I actually am so grateful. Like they're their best friends, two boys and then a la- little baby girl. But um, so two two babies in 12 months. And I, if you haven't been a parent, like you don't understand like the level of deliriousness you experience with the newborn season. Okay, all the moms, yeah, amen. Okay. So, but then I had two, you know, little babies. And so what happened was I'd always just get my babies down to sleep and then th- the partying would start. The the strobe lights, the techno music. You know, and I I didn't I don't have a lot of patience for for crazy and so I uh I would always just call the police. So I'd call the police every week, and they would come, and they'd tell them to be quiet. And they'd be quiet for like 30 minutes, and it would start again. So it was just like this routine of me calling the police every Monday, Tuesday night. And it wasn't like it was a big secret who was calling the police. They knew I was the one calling the police. And so then one morning, Beverly, the homeowner, said, Miss Becky, Miss Becky, Miss Becky, call me. Don't call the police. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a shot. So I got her phone number, and so at, before I'd call the police, I would call her, and I'd ask her to tone it down, you know, all of this. And so... Um, there was just like a lot of tension in our relationship. There was no pleasantries. There was no smiles, no anything. It was just very tense. And so one day, you know, after I called the police, you know, multiple times in one night, and it was just still going, I just got both babies down to sleep, I finally had shut my eyes, and then it started again. You guys, I lost it. <laughs> I freaking lost it. And I throw the covers off, and my husband's like, babe, babe, where are you going? I'm like, I got this. I, like, stormed down the stairs. I ran in my backyard, and I jumped up on the planter, and I was hanging over the fence. And I was like, Beverly! Beverly! And everyone's just, like, frozen. They're like, go get Beverly. So Beverly comes running out, Miss Becky, Miss Becky, Miss Becky. I was just like, oh, my God, I swear to God. And, okay, just don't start a sentence with that. We're not supposed to swear to God. But I'm like, I swear to God. If you're not out here in three minutes, I will bash every single one of your car windows in. And so, so they, they did the right thing. They scurried because I was serious. I was serious. And so the unfortunate thing about this story is that a few days later, their car windows did get bashed in, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me but they were convinced it was me, the Christian neighbor, bashed their car windows in. And so I lost my opportunity to ever share the gospel with them because they thought me, the Christian neighbor, had bashed their car windows in. I had, I was, my heart was so filled with frustration and anger and even hate at times for my neighbors. I had no room in my heart to love them. And I remember feeling so convicting going, what if, what if from day one, instead of being irritated and frustrated and angry with them, I tried to show the love of Jesus to them from day one? How different would, would their lives possibly have been? And, and our lives could have been so much different in that neighborhood for those years of torment living by them. I, you know, I just, it, it grieved me because now I, I, many of their children were taken away, away by Child Protective Services. I have no idea where they, were, they are at now, but it's like I had such an opportunity God placed me there, and I, and I squandered my opportunity. Instead of loving them, I hated them. And I remember it was shortly after this season 
I really realized I was just caught up in Christianity, caught up in religion, and I didn't really have a heart for people. Because I went to another nation with my senior pastor, Pastor Leanne, and she was speaking at this conference, and there was like 5,000 women there. It was the most amazing experience I had ever had up until that point. And I sat in the front row, and I remember the pastor got up there, and she, for 45 minutes, all she talked about was winning souls for Jesus. And I remember she started, and I was like, oh, geez. Like, oh, my like, guess I'm not getting a prophecy today. Like, I was like so, I was so all about myself, all about my own needs, my own prayer requests, my own life. I had no room in my headspace to even think about other lost souls around me. And I remember sitting there, and then after my selfish moments and my selfish thoughts, the Holy Spirit convicted me. In that moment, I was like, God, forgive me. Like, forgive me. And I said, and I prayed a simple prayer. I said, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, give me a heart for the lost. Because I didn't have one at that point. And so that prayer began to change me. And now it's almost impossible for me to go anywhere to have a conversation or an interaction with someone without, like, in my brain going, how can I shift this conversation to somehow invite them to church or an extended invitation or tell them about Jesus, you know, and... Or at least plant a seed, you know, of that, that a, a Christian and a Jesus follower was a good, nice, kind person. I'm consumed with these thoughts. And even last night, it was like, yes, I don't, I don't know if they're here today. One of the two said they might be able to be here. But, you know, of course the waitress got an invitation to church. And, of course, the hostess got an invitation to church because they had an encounter with me. Why would they not get an invitation? You know, and so, and so now I'm consumed with that. and Because I, I realize now that I may be the only Jesus some people will ever see. And I may not be able to save them all, but I can sure plant seeds what a Jesus follower looks like. The, and the title of my message, if it's not up there, I don't know, The Opportunist. I want to talk about being an opportunist this morning. The most loving, amazing thing we could ever do in this life is to extend an invitation for someone else to come to know Jesus. To love our family and our friends and our neighbors in hopes of winning them to Christ. So, so loving our neighbors. So before we dis disregard who our neighbor is and just assume that it's the person that lives in the house next to us, let's just clarify who our neighbor actually is. Well, the Bible says in Luke 10, 29 through 37, in the story of the Good Samaritan, that our neighbor is anyone that is actually in our path, that, that we cross our path, that is in need or needs something from us. And anyone in our path is considered our neighbor, according to the Bible. So every day we step into the streets of Salt Lake City. We step into our workplaces, into the coffee shops, into the restaurants, at the babysitter's house, into our schools, everywhere we go. We have people that are crossing our paths every single day. Jesus says, these are your neighbors. These are your neighbors. Every single day in this city, there are people in our paths and there are people in our need, in need that are in a need of hope, of salvation, of truth, of healing, of the power of God, of encouragement. Every single day, these people, our neighbors are crossing our path and they need us. They need what we have. They, we, we cross people in our path that are so bound in religion and have no concept of what a true relationship with the loving, powerful God looks like. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That someone is you and that someone is me. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, 
all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you and I, the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, you and I, the message of reconciliation. We, you and I, are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal. Other verses say pleading through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Christ is trying to appeal to unbelievers through our life, through your life, through my life. So we have a responsibility to live a big life, a healthy life, a life of integrity, of hope, of peace, of courage. We, have a res- we don't get to live a small life anymore when we become an ambassador of Christ. We are his representatives in the earth. We, ha- we have a responsibility to deal with our ish. We don't get to stay jacked up. You may come in here jacked up. I came into the church jacked up. I need a cherish unplugged. I was so bound in fear and securities and anxiety. I had I had so many demons. I had to get set free. I had to get set free. I was a hot mess to, when I came into the house of God. But you know what? You don't get to stay a hot mess because you're Christ's ambassadors. And through a process of love and healing and discipleship and transformation, we become healthy ambassadors and representatives in the earth. So we can represent Jesus really well or we can poorly represent him. And no matter where we go, we go with a purpose because we are his ambassadors. And once we realize this, once we realize we're his ambassadors, we no longer just go to work, go to the grocery store, go to the gym, go to the coffee shop, go to the restaurant, go to school. We don't go anywhere. We are sent. We are sent by God as ambassadors to this city as Christ's representatives in the earth. So maybe you were like me so many years ago. You didn't really give a rip about everybody else. You didn't think about anyone else but yourself. So I want to encourage you today to pray for God's heart for humanity. Just pray a simple prayer like I did. God, give me a heart for the lost. God, help me see them the way you see them. You know, because God doesn't want anyone to perish. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you and I so that we don't have to perish when we leave this earth. We don't have to spend eternity as separated from him. We don't have to go to eternity to a place that was only created for the devil and his demons. When you think about the reality of where a human soul could spend eternity, it's not fun to think about. No one likes to think about it. No one likes to preach about it. But it's a real place and it's a real thing and it's going to happen to billions and billions of people. So every once in a while we might need a healthy dose of an eternity check of where these people are actually going to end up. If you and I as ambassadors of Christ don't reach out to them as Christ's ambassadors. It gives you a sense of urgency to share the gospel, to love people well, to extend an invitation to church. So the first thing we need to do is to to pray for a heart for the lost. And a definition of the opportunist is this. A person who takes immediate advantage, immediate advantage of an opportunity to achieve a goal without even thinking about the consequences of that action. So I want us to be Christ opportunists, taking advantage of immediate opportunities that, that we are presented with without even thinking about what people might think about us in hopes of saving lost souls. The opportunists. So we have to pray for a heart for the lost is the first thing. The second thing we need to do is we need to pray for opportunities. But it isn't just praying for opportunities. Then we have to actually have eyes to see them. 
We need to bring the love, the love of Jesus everywhere we go. And there are opportunities every day, all day, if we choose to see them. This last winter, it was December and I was at Target and I was checking out. I ran in to get one quick item. I was in the self-checkout and I saw, I looked to my left and there was a homeless woman standing there trying to check out buying four 97-cent items. It was some toothpaste, some hand sanitizer, and two other little, little tiny items. She had... Um, little sliders that had holes in the bottom, so she was standing on newspaper. Her socks had become leg warmers. She had a towel wrapped around her waist for her bottoms and a hospital gown for her top, and that was all that she had, and it was 30 degrees. And I saw her, and now I had to make a choice. But because I understand that I don't go places that I'm sent as an ambassador, I don't get to not choose to see and to respond. I'm an ambassador of Christ. And so I just walked over to her. And so what she was doing, she only had enough money for three. So she was trying to cancel one item. She wasn't trying to steal it. She was trying to cancel it because she realized she didn't have enough money. She was having some trouble. I said, hi, what's your name? And she said, Debbie. And I'm like, oh, I'm Becky. I said, you know what? Let me just take care of these three items for you. And I said, I have a feeling there's probably some other things you might need in this store. I go, how about you and I go on a shopping trip? And she's just like, Okay. And so for the next 90 minutes, we browsed every single aisle of Target, and we picked up anything she could possibly need, from beanies to scarves to undergarments to laundry soap to hand sanitizer, everything she could possibly need. And then we had to buy a four-set piece of luggage because she had no way to carry any, everything that we had purchased. And she just kept saying, oh, it's too much, it's too much. And I'm like, Debbie, you have me once. Get what you need, okay? And so, and here's the thing. We got lots of different kind of looks that day. Some people were, you know, endeared what was happening. Some people were a little bit frightened and moved to the other side of the aisles. But, and here's the thing, because here's the thing, sweet Debbie, I just thought to myself, when's the last time someone had a normal conversation with her and just treated her like a normal friend? So we were just chatting and laughing and making jokes and having a good time. And here's the thing about Debbie. She had a little friend that didn't exist. So every once in a while, she would stop conversating with me and have a conversation with this person standing next to her. And at the time, she asked, she was like, can my friend have one too. I'm like, absolutely. And so we'd buy two of some things because her friend needed it as well. And I just was patient and we just talked and I just let it all happen. And then, you know, the whole time, you know, I was talking to Debbie and uh, I wasn't trying to sell her on Jesus. The, my only mission was to show her the love of Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And at the end of our encounter together, she actually wanted to know Jesus because I showed her who Jesus was. And so we were able to pray together in the Target parking lot. And Debbie came to know Jesus. You know, and I, here's the thing. Even if Debbie didn't want to know Jesus that day, at least I would have planted a seed of what a Jesus follower looked like. Planting seeds is so incredibly powerful. Never dismiss the simplicity of what, the power behind planting a simple seed. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7 says, I planted this seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. But how can God make a seed grow if no one first planted it? So it is your and my responsibility to plant seeds about who Jesus is is the nature of Jesus. Can you imagine if we became a church that planted seeds wherever we go, this entire city would be transformed by the love of Jesus. Every, I don't know how many, a couple hundred, two, three hundred people are in this room. Usually you go out at least once a day, at least. Imagine every time you went, you gave someone a good impression 
of what a Jesus follower looks like. And you, you may be the first seed someone plants, but then you know what? Your friend over here is going to see him in a couple days. They're going to plant another seed. And then guess what? God's going to make it grow. And eventually that person will receive salvation. The, it, it says, there's a study that says it takes people seven times hearing about Jesus before they will give their life over to him. So you know what? The gals we invited at the restaurant, they may need to have you go in there and also extend an invitation and leave them with a good impression of a Jesus follower. And at some point, they'll receive salvation. Amen? You know, and planting seeds may cost us something. For me that day, it cost me over $500 at Christmas time. Did I have an extra $500? Not really, but I could forgo a few presents for me. Like, I, di I didn't need anything. Like, Debbie needed something. And we might have to, so we have to sacrifice a little bit of money. But I will gladly sow money in hopes of someone receiving salvation and not spending an eternity in hell. Are you kidding me? You can't put a price tag on that. It may cost us some time. It took me almost two hours that day. I was late for my husband's birthday dinner. At least I had the, I did have a respect for him, and I called him, and I told him what I wanted to do, and he knows me well enough to know I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he said, babe, that's fine. Just get here when you get here. And then I said, can I bring her home? And he said, well, it's up to you. It might be a little complicated. But I chose that day to not make that decision. But I'm just saying it might cost us something. It might cost us some time, but it is worth it to have someone's salvation secured. And I realize that God opportunities are rarely are convenient or come without a cost. Jesus was constantly inconvenienced and interrupted for the sake of the gospel. But I don't think he actually saw it as an inconvenience or an interruption because he understood that that was his calling. So I don't think we can look at it as an inconvenience because it's our calling. We are all called to be ambassadors of Christ sent by God wherever we go. Amen. And Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that it doesn't say let your words be heard that people would glorify your Father in heaven. People aren't necessarily won over by our words. They are won over by our good works. And this city needs to see your good works. Amen? You know, so when you think about the gospel, the gospel actually isn't that confusing. The world isn't com confused by the gospel. The world's confused by us who speak of a gospel of love and kindness and then show so little of it. We need to show love and kindness in this city. Amen? Amen. Amen. The city needs to see our good works. We need to look for opportunities to show people the love of Jesus. And this city also needs the power of our prayers. You know, we had a young gal a few years ago come to our house, and she had she worked for this company where they made custom shirts. And my husband's very fit, if you've met him. And um, and so she was measuring him for a shirt, and I was just kind of doing dishes at the sink, and I overheard her having a conversation. Um, and she, she, was, she didn't believe in Jesus. She actually was a part of another religion. She wanted nothing to do with God, and she wanted nothing to do with this church because we had tried many times to get them to come to church. But I just overheard her having a conversation saying her and her husband were going through a really difficult season because they, they weren't able to have babies. And, um, and they were really, you know, believing that it was going to happen at some point. But they didn't have a God that moved in the miraculous or anything like that. So... So she was just saying her heartbreak over this, and I felt the Holy Spirit say while I was doing dishes, he's like, you, you need to pray that she's going to have a baby. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, she doesn't even believe in you. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then he just keeps going, you need to pray that she'll have a baby. I'm like, God, 
okay, doesn't believe in you, one. Two, if it doesn't work, you and I are both going to look really stupid. <laughs> this is not going to be good. And But th th it wouldn't leave me. So I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. So before she left, it wasn't all spiritual. It was not weird. It was slightly awkward. I'm just being honest. I'm like, can I pray for you? She was like, oh, sure. And she starts to walk out. She thought I'd pray for her later. I was like, oh, no, 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 right now. She's like, oh, okay. So I said a very simple, normal prayer. I didn't turn worship music on. Didn't speak in tongues. Just normal, simple prayers. Six weeks later, I get a phone call, and she says, I'm pregnant. Yep. The doctor said I conceived the day after you prayed. Yes. And she said, I know I'm pregnant because you prayed to your God. What a testament. What a testament to how much God wanted to give her the desires of her heart. It was such a testimony. We get so good at tuning out the Holy Spirit because he asks us to do things that are a little bit outside of our comfort zone, a little bit uncomfortable. I, I don't know if I feel okay to pray for someone that doesn't even believe in, in God. Like he, We get so good at tuning out the Holy Spirit because he asks us to do things that are not comfortable. We need to get good to tune in to the Holy Spirit and tune out the voices of doubt and fear and unbelief and selfishness. Those are the voices we need to tune out. We need to tune into the power of God, the voice of God. Because here's the thing. God chooses to reveal his power through us. The Bible says that God commands us, you and I, to go into the world, to preach the gospel, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. And to bring the miraculous power of God. He uses you and me. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that God makes us sufficient ministers. And you know why we're sufficient? Because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He's in us. He's on us. He's all around us. So it's not us laying our hands on the sick or those in need of a miracle. It is the Holy Spirit himself laying his hands. We need to stop having faith in our prayers and have faith in the God that's behind the prayers. This city needs the power that you carry. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. They need a demonstration of power. This city has been void of power. You carry it. You carry it. Acts, the book of Acts, all four Gospels, the Bible says it was the laying on of hands, healing the sick, and casting out demons, and performing miracles that added to the church daily. Multitudes joined the church daily because they saw a demonstration of power. You're like, best bracket, what if it doesn't work? What if I lay my hand and it doesn't work? Well, you know what? Well, what if it does? What if it does? That could be the very thing. And guess what? They're not keeping that to themselves. Oh, my gosh, this person at C3 Church came and prayed for me, and then I got healed, and then they're going to bring friends. Oh, I want to go to this church. You'll be famous because you demonstrate the power of God through your hands and through your prayers in this city as you go out and minister to the people that cross by your path every single day. And the church said, Amen. Amen. We need to take the opportunities and look for them. Look for opportunities to minister to people, to give a demonstration of the power of God. You are all carriers of the power of God. The third thing, we need to pray. We need to look for opportunities, but then also we need to create opportunities to minister to people. When's the last time you brought a meal to a new mom down the street? Offer to babysit their kids so they can go on a much-needed date night. When's the last time you paid for someone's groceries or coffee? When's the last time you invited some people you didn't know over very well to have a barbecue? You know, I think one of the biggest things is just trying to con convince the world that Christians aren't weird. So, so don't be weird. 
So <laughs> invite people for a barbecue. Invite some non-weird people from church and then some unbelieving people and then just engage like normal people. It's not that hard. And let God lead the conversation. He wants to reach them. You don't have to try so hard. Just create opportunities. We must be intentional in our pursuit of the lost because our enemy is very intentional with the pursuit of the lost. He roams around like a roaring lion seeking, being intentional on who he can devour with depression, with addiction, with suicide, with spirits of religion, being bound up in all those things. He's very intentional. So we have to be more intentional in our pursuit of the lost and create opportunities. We need to create opportunity. And here's, here's the easy way to create an opportunity. Start a conversation. Start a conversation. I was in Australia at another conference. And because, again, I know that I don't just go places that I'm sent by God. And I knew I'd be, I was at this hotel for about five days. And so I knew every morning this um, particular gentleman would probably be making my coffee. So I just, you know, was very intentional about being kind and encouraging and building rapport. Because I knew at some point I was going to extend an invitation to church or for him to know Jesus. So I was just chatting for a few days. You know, it was my last day there. And there really wasn't like an open door to, to extend the invitation. And the last day, he's making my coffee, and the conversation kind of dies out. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, keep talking. And I'm like, what do I say? I've run out of things to say. And so I finally said, you know what? I, I think you would really love this church that I'm having this conference at. I think you should go to this church. And he goes, oh, I used to go to church. And I go, used to? What do you mean used to? And he goes, oh, well, yeah, I used to go with my best friend in high school, but then uh, he killed himself. And then a few weeks later, his girlfriend was so consumed with grief, she killed herself too. And so I, I, I just stopped going. I stopped going because, and then he paused. And I said, because uh, you thought if God was so good, why would he let this happen, right? And he goes, yeah, but you wouldn't understand. I was like, oh, no, I understand. I go, my sister killed herself too. He goes, well, my friend shot himself. And I said, so did my sister. And, and I said, so because you thought God was so good, you allowed this to take, and, it, and he didn't stop it. You let, him, you let it take you out of church. And he's like, yeah. I said, I, I can totally understand. I go, to be honest, I felt the same way for a little while. I thought, yeah, why did God let this happen to my sister? Why did God let this happen to your friend? I was angry for a bit. And I said, but then, you know, I went to the Bible, and I started reading, and I realized, I finally realized God had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with my sister's death or your friend's death. I said, you know why? Because the Bible says that God gives us life and life abundantly. But the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy our lives. And I said, you know what? I go, it's really sad that the devil had temporary victory over your friend's and my sister. But you know what? He didn't get the victory in the end because your friend and my sister are both in heaven with Jesus right now. You know, I said, you know, the devil had temporary victory over your friend and my sister, but don't let him have victory over your life. I was like, he used this pain to keep you out of the house of God, out of a relationship with Jesus. He's trying to keep you from the only one that can heal your pain. You know, and I sat there, and we had the most beautiful divine encounter 
where I was able to minister to a young man that I had never met who had been taken out of the house of God. We were sharing our stories over a mutual painful suicide in our past, and it all started by simply creating an opportunity through a simple conversation. A simple conversation led me to an opportunity to minister. You never know what's on the other side of your hello. You never know. You never know. We need to create opportunities. And another way we can create opportunities is by stepping into situations that a lot of other people will steer clear from. I was getting some to-go food for some people at church, and I open my car door, and I hear what I thought was like a baby crying. So I, it's like wailing. And I was like, ah, like I hear it now. I should do something. I'm in a hurry. I don't know. And so, of course, I put the food in my car, and I shut my door, and I look, and I quickly realize it's the car next to me. And what I thought was a baby wailing was a, a grown woman thrown over her uh, steering wheel just wailing and bawling. So now I, I was presented with an opportunity. Do I steer clear from this or do I step into it? And so I did the awkward thing of just tapping on her window. And then she looks up and she wipes the tears and she rolls. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, why are you sorry? I go, are you okay? I was like, no, that's stupid. You're clearly not okay. What's wrong? And so she literally grabs my hand and I'm like in her car. And she just t started telling me about the story, how her husband just... Uh, confessed he was having an affair and he was leaving her and he kicked her and her 10-year-old son out of the house. And, and she had nowhere to go and she was devastated. And I said, what can I do? And she said, can I have a hug? I said, yes. So she gets out of her car and there we are hugging in the Panera Bread parking lot. And she's bawling on my shoulder. And then I'm like, God, help me. Like, what do I say? And so I'll just lean into the Holy Spirit and I'm like, I just started prophesying over her. This situation, God has a plan for your life and a purpose. He's going to restore your joy. He's going to restore your soul. He's going to pick up all the broken pieces of your heart. And I start like prophesying and just praying over this woman. And then she kind of, she pushes me away and she goes, are you an angel? I said, no, I'm a pastor. I said, my church is right down the road and I'm going to get you tickets to a show we have for you and your son. You're going to come on Wednesday night. You're going to sit next to me on the front row. Give me your number. And so we exchanged numbers. So sure enough, she brought her son to the show. We have a musical every year at Christmas. And she told me that her son was really nervous to be in church. So you know what? I went and got a few little presents. Cost me a few dollars. Wrapped him up. Had some M&Ms and popcorn and drinks on his seat. So when he walks in, at least his heart is a little bit open. Well, guess who raised their hand at the end to get saved? Her and her son. Because I was willing to step into a situation that so many people still clear from. Like, you know, you know how many people's salvations lie on the other side of the question, are you okay? Yeah. Like, are you okay? Like, because most people, like, would hear that, like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, like, get away. Like, what if we, what if we, you and I, as ambassadors of Christ, we see a situation, we see someone, and we're like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, are you okay? The world does this. What if we went like this? So many people's salvations. And you know what? She's been in our church for two years. Her whole life has changed. She's there every time the doors are open. It's been two, almost two and a half years. Every time she sees me, she cries. Every single time. She's like, what if you didn't tap on my window that day? Her whole life is different because I was willing to do this. To reach out to someone in need, to be ambassador for Christ, to see opportunity, to create an opportunity, to have a conversation. We need to be opportunists 
and without even thinking, step into a situation and be a minister of the gospel. And people's lives are going to get transformed. That is one person and one child, an entire generation will know Jesus. That changed the entire direction of the lineage of their family through stepping into one simple situation and extending an invitation to church. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In a world where, you know, it's, a, it's acts of genuine love, care, and kindness that are going to draw people into a relationship with Jesus. But we can get so caught up in the busyness of our own lives. So another thing I pray is, God, give me eyes to see the opportunities that I need to see. And, ta- and walk a little slower. Just walk a little slower through the store. And make eye contact. And see, I, I stop people in the gym restrooms. Like, are you okay? You look a little sad. Sure enough, waterworks. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Leave some time. Leave a window of time to look for those God opportunities, to be an opportunist, opportunist to see people saved. And I'll end on this last story. I have lots of stories. <laughs> Two years ago, we, um, I'm from Oregon originally, and so we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, city, uh, the, the state that never stops raining. Wow. Anyways, it stops raining for two months a year. We can actually enjoy the beauty. So we took our kids there, and, and I don't really hike in California because it's hot and there's not a lot of green things, and I don't like being hot or dirty, so um, I don't hike much. But in Oregon, it's different. It's beautiful. It's lush. It's green. So anyways, we're hiking up this mountain with my kiddos. We're about 45, up the mo- 45 minutes up the mountain, and you can't see out. All you see is trees. You, you have no idea how deep you're in the forest, nothing. You just you see trees, trees everywhere. And then 45 minutes up, there's this clearing. And you actually go, oh, my gosh, there's the ocean. You can see the ocean. It's beautiful. We can see the blue sky. So like picturesque moment, you know. And there was this huge tree that had fallen down and extended over this really deep ravine. And I'm like, babe, and then you can see the ocean behind. I'm like, this is like a picturesque moment, babe. Let's get all the kids. Well, let's climb up on this log and we'll take a photo, you know. And he's being all cautious and getting mad at me because I'm going too far, like over the ravine. So anyway, so here's the kids and we're trying to be all safe and take a photo. Yay. And then um, I'm handing the kids down to John And my oldest son goes, Mom, why were people fighting up here? And I was like, what? He goes, why were they fighting? And he looks down. I see all this writing on this log that overextends this ravine. And I read the words that says, lost the fight, their name and a date. Gave up hope, their name, date. Born and died, name, date. Ended it all, name, date. And we realized in that moment that we were literally reading the last words someone wrote before they ended their life into that ravine. And it was so overwhelming. And so we all just joined hands together and we just started praying against the spirit of death and depression. We bound it in that place. And we declared that angels would be assigned to that place, bringing hope and life, that that place would not end in death, but that it would end in life, that they would find hope and encouragement. They would find light entering their soul once they stepped out onto that log. And then I looked again, and I saw more words as my heart sank. It said, if you need a friend, please call. And there was a phone number. If you need anything, I will be here for you. Another phone number. 
that was phone number after phone number engraved on that log. And what an overwhelming grief. In a moment, I was, my heart was lifted a little bit going, oh, dear God, there are complete strangers in this world that are willing to extend themselves to a stranger they don't even know in hopes of saving a lost soul. And so we, we started the trek down the mountain. And I was just, there was just tears rolling down my face. And I was just praying in the spirit. And I just, then I just kind of yelled out to John, like, John, we have so much work to do. We have so much work to do. People are so depressed. They are so lost. They need Jesus. The church has so much work to do. You know, I need to just tell you, not everyone's going to like you in standing up for Jesus. You may not be popular, but popularity cannot be our highest priority. They may not like you. The enemy doesn't want them saved. The enemy's going to fill your mind with fear, anxiety. The, what, if, what if they get mad at me? What if they don't like me? What if they unfollow me? What if, what if, what if I don't have the answers? What if, blah, blah, blah. But we just have to remember when we're extending an invitation, it's not our invitation. It's his invitation. But it's our responsibility to extend his invitation to those around us. And I want to tell you this. What you could lose in standing for Jesus is nothing in comparison of what they could lose if you don't. No comparison. It's always worth it. Always worth it. So today, I want to pray for some people that need to be introduced for G- to Jesus. But I also want to end the service before Pastor Vince comes up. By, uh, I want to impart some faith, some boldness, and some courage on the inside of you. So I want to pray over every, anyone at the end of the service who's willing to say, you know what, I've been intimidated. I've bowed my knee to that intimidation, the fear of what people are going to think of me, this and that. We're going to pray for every single one of you who want a, an extra dose of the Holy Ghost and boldness at the end, okay? But before I do that, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And I loved what Becca said in the, in the communion message. He came to wash us clean so we don't have to be condemned or shameful. He has an amazing plan for every single one of our lives. A future and a hope. So no matter what you've walked through, there's hope for you. And the Bible says that God has a plan for your life that is far above anything you could ever hope for or imagine. Wouldn't you want to step into that? You, we have good plans for ourselves, but God says yes so much more. You need to, in order to understand the plans that he has for your life, you have to begin that relationship with him. So I would love if everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes really quickly. You know, and if you've already made this decision right now, this is the time in the service where you're just kind of praying for those who are on the fence with making this decision. We're not here to bring you a religion that's empty and void of power and of peace. We're here to introduce you to a relationship with Jesus, your Savior, who wants to transform your life.
So if you're in here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's so simple. It just is with a simple prayer that I'm going to pray with you. So if you're in here today and you know you need to get your life right with God and receive salvation while no one else is looking around, can you just lift your hand up nice and high so I can see your hands? No one else is looking around. Who are those ones today? Who are those ones? It's a little hard to see with the light. So I can see these two hands, beautiful ladies, yes, here on my right, you're on the left. Thank you, Lord. And up the back, yes, I see you, way up there, amazing. Who else? I know God's stirring on hearts right now. It's so beautiful. Once I see your hand gorgeous, you can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just have this feeling there's some of you, and I know there's more than one, I feel like God's been kind of after you for a while. And you don't even know the reason why you're resisting. But I just want to tell you, today is the day of salvation for you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to understand it all right now. All that you need to understand is that you, you need Jesus. You need to be forgiven. You want to be assured of your eternity. No one's promised tomorrow. So why not today? Why not today? Who are those ones? Your heart's racing a little bit right now. Your heart's racing. That's, that's Jesus. He's just trying to grab a hold of you. You're worth fighting for. You're worth waiting for. I see your hand beautiful right there in the glasses. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. I'm waiting on a couple gentlemen. I just, I just know I'm waiting on a couple gentlemen. And you're worth waiting for. We don't need to rush. This, this decision is too important. And there may be some young ladies too, but I do know there's at least two gentlemen in here today. Oh, your heart's a little anxious right now. Who are those ones? Who are those ones? I'm just going to count to three. So before you can think about it anymore, just lift your hand up nice and high when I count to three. One, two, don't wait any longer. Three. Yes, I see you in the hat. Awesome. We've been waiting for you. Amazing. You're worth the wait. And I see you right there, second row. Come on. God's so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just one moment. All right. You know what? I'm going to... Um, Everyone go, and go ahead and look up at me. I know it was a little bit of a, it took a little time to get people to respond, and that's okay. Like, I, I, I can understand. You probably have a lot of questions. You're not sure what's going on. You just know that something's going on in here. <laughs> But God is so good, and he is for you, and he loves you so much. And we want to make sure to look after you. And I'm going to just pray a simple prayer that everyone can repeat after me. You know, and you, a lot of times we'll pull people forward, but just for the sake of time, I think I, we had some of the greatest people in our church that were lifting or watching those that lifted their hands. Please don't rush off after service. One of those people want to find you, and even out at the back, there's a sign that says response lounge. We want to give you a Bible and we want to give you a book called Following Jesus just to kind of help you on your journey. All right, we don't, we don't want to just, this is the biggest decision you've ever made in your whole life. 
And so we don't want to take that lightly. So after service, I would love if you would go to the response lounge and just say, hey, I lifted my hands today. Can I get that book? Can I get that Bible? And if you need anything, if you need any prayer, we want to pray with you. But I want everyone, if they could stand to their feet. I want to, I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray, and you guys just repeat after me. It's super simple. The simplest prayer has the most powerful results. The, the God of this whole place, everything that we've been talking about today is going to enter your life. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on the inside of you and start guiding and directing you. And so we're going to pray. So especially those who lifted your hands, make sure to pray this prayer out loud. But no one's going to pray it alone. Everyone in the building is going to pray together, okay? Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save me, to pay the price for my sins. I thank you today that I am forgiven that I am set free, that I get a fresh start. Fill me today with the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me walk with you, listen to you, and fill me with your love, with your presence, and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just give God a shout. So good. Once again, make sure to talk to one of our friends before you leave today. But I want to um, pray over every single person, just a simple prayer. If you, if you need an extra dose of boldness, maybe you've given into that spirit of intimidation and not stepped out when you felt and you knew you should have, and you just want to be filled up with boldness and courage and strength today, can you just lift your hands to heaven to say, I want a little more of that boldness and that courage. God, use me to be an ambassador for you. I'm just going to impart something. Receive it today. Receive it today, and this city's going to be one for Jesus. God, I thank you right now for every hand lifted. God, I thank you you, Jesus, that you are filling each and every one with your power, with your presence, God, with a fresh boldness. Father, I come against that spirit of intimidation, and I bind it right now in Jesus' name. We silence you in the name of Jesus. We declare that you are under our feet. Fill us today afresh with boldness, with strength, with courage, God. Give us eyes to see the ones we need to see. God, that we would step into opportunities that so many steer clear from. God, use us. God, we are your hands and your feet in the earth. I declare right now, God opportunities, divine moments, divine encounters to show the love of Jesus. God, and I pray that these hands will be used to heal the sick, to bring forth miracles. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is in them and on them and all around them. And when they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. We have faith in you, not faith in our faith. We declare our faith is in you, the God of all of all things, Father, I thank you, Jesus, that miracle reports, God reports are coming from this place, that this place would be filled overflowing. We declare buildings, churches being filled with the power and the presence of the Almighty God. I thank you for each and every one of these faithful ambassadors. Fill them today afresh. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Love you so much, Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.